Welcome to the Wonder Learn Podcast. I'm your host, France Tapon. In this episode, I'm going to tackle listener feedback, in particular, one listener who responded to my kidnapping podcast. He said, I enjoyed the kidnapping podcast, and I want to share you my thoughts, but not in a public forum, as they could be perceived as negative, and no one needs negative public criticism. Well, I do, actually. You know, I appreciate negative public criticism as long as it's done thoughtfully and intelligently. I have no problems. In fact, if you go to my most controversial article, the El Camino de Santiago sucks, or 10 reasons why it sucks, I let all the public criticism go on there. I publish everything. They call me a fucking asshole. They insult me. They, they All sorts of incredible insults that people lobby my way. And I put it up there, even though it's not very constructive. I'm, I've got thick skin, you know. I appreciate this person's sensitivity, but I have no problems airing out some negative comments that people may have and talking about them. So, he says, That said, I know you want some real reactions. And so here's mine. I was a bit underwhelmed by the author Olaf Ostad. He said, Think hard. Do your best. It depends. And all that left me unsatisfied. The concrete things like carry two phones or count and then time the count were excellent. You seem to have more of a spot-on sense of the whole thing. Your anecdotes of being strangled in Cameroon in a dark alley, why did you allow yourself to get in that situation was a big, no, huge uncovered talking point in my mind and walking briskly away from a seeming certain kidnapping in Central Africa were two big booms that left listeners like me saying, hey, tell us more and you live this for real. Was it a false sense of security in Yaoundé and you were off your game or you just didn't give a fuck that day? Or like one night in the slums of Kathmandu, I was practically out looking for a fight due to stress from my ex. So yes, I didn't go into too much detail about that being strangled in Cameroon, Dark Alley. I probably should have, mainly because I just didn't want to steal too much of the show from my guest, Olaf Ostad. The details was that I was with Rejoice. We were my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife then. She was just a girlfriend at that time. And she and I were waiting in a bus at around 9 p.m. at night or something like that. Maybe it was 8 p.m. But anyway, and I needed to go pee. So I looked around and the bus wasn't leaving. I was waiting because in Africa, the buses have to basically fill up usually until they get moving. And it was only about half full. So I still had quite a while to wait. And we were in the capital of Cameroon, which is called Yaoundé. And I looked around and couldn't see an obvious place to go pee. And I should have asked somebody, but I didn't. And so then I just went down a dark alley. Everywhere in the dark alley, it said interdit de pisser, ne pas pisser in French, basically written all over the walls. Don't piss here. Don't piss here. Don't piss here. So I walked a little bit further, another 50 meters. Don't piss here. Don't piss here. Another 50 meters. Don't piss here. Don't piss here. 50 meters. I just kept walking until finally the don't piss here signs ran out. By this time, I was about maybe at least 200 meters from the main road. And it was a dark alley. But there was nobody and there was nobody around. So I pissed. Everything was fine. And I started walking back to, quote unquote, civilization, back to where people were. 
So I see this one dude walking up to me and he says to me, uh, excuse me. He's saying, and he's talking in French, but anyway, I'll just translate. He basically said, Hey, do you need to go pee? Because if you need to piss, I can show you a place where you can go piss. I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I didn't tell him that I had already pissed, but I just said, no, I'm fine. And I just kept walking. About two seconds after saying goodbye to him, I didn't look around my back. I should have because suddenly that guy grabbed me from behind in a headlock and started strangling me in a headlock. And what's weird is that suddenly there was another dude who was reaching into my pockets. And I was like, how did I not see the second dude? I had no idea. So this 20-something-year-old, big, strong dude was strangling me, and another strong dude was picking through my pockets. And I, they quickly grabbed my wallet, which only had like $10 in it, and no ID, because I'd already put my ID and my $1,000 of cash in my money belt. So they were they walked away with a wallet, and then they, they kept they realized I had a cell phone, a smartphone, and so they kept strangling me. And then I faced a dilemma in, in these seconds that were passing. I could either raise both my arms to rip off the man's hands that were strangling my neck so I could basically use both of my hands to get his one hand off of me. But if I did that, I'd basically forfeit my smartphone. So as intelligent as I am, I decided I'd rather save my smartphone than save my life. So I decided to keep my hands, both of my hands, on top of my smartphones in my pocket while the other guy was trying to push those hands away from my pocket so he could get my smartphone. And he managed to pull my hand out of my pocket, but then I moved the smartphone right into my groin, basically right where my balls are, and just holding it there with both of my hands while being strangled. This was going on for a few seconds. And the funny thing about being strangled, I'd never been strangled in my life. And, and, and what's fascinating about it is that you can't breathe, which is kind of expected. But what I just didn't, hadn't never thought about is that you can't even say anything. You can't speak. You can't yell. You can't scream. So I was trying, of course, to scream and yell, but I couldn't. Nothing would come out because, of course, this guy was strangling me. And I just never thought about the concept of when you're strangled, you can't say anything. Um, I always thought, okay, you can't breathe, but of course you could scream, which of course makes no sense. But anyway, I quickly learned the lesson there that um, uh, that you, you can't speak much when you're getting strangled. And I uh, still pugnaciously held on to my cell phone. And this young guy, he was just doing everything he could to rip it out of my hands, but I just was not letting up. At the same time, I was just trying to twist my neck to wretch myself free from this guy's grip. And somehow that's exactly what happened. I somehow broke free from his grip enough to yell out and scream. Now they were still on top of me. And, but then within like five seconds, maybe 10 seconds, a dude came out of the corner and and suddenly they must've seen him. I didn't see him come in the corner, but all of a sudden they just got these, these thieves just ran away. Now, the whole situation lasted for maybe about 10 seconds or maybe 20 seconds, but that's a long, long time when you're being strangled. It feels like forever and you can't breathe and you're exerting yourself. It was a really, really long time. Anyway, thank God I broke free and the guy did not get my smartphone. And uh, the guy in the alleyway, 
he kind of almost ran away from me because he thought that maybe I was going to attack him. I was like, no, I'm not. And I uh, was a little bit of cuts to my feet because I was wearing flip-flops and the ground was kind of hard. And so I got a little bit of cuts. And my throat took about a week to recover fully. It was very sore for about a week. But other than that, I only lost 10 bucks and took on two young strong dudes in their 20s how about that i felt pretty proud about that but of course stupid for having picked fight when i was faced with the fight or flight response and why did i do that i don't know i just it just instinct just took over i don't know i just, obviously thinking back on that whole situation they could have easily easily just pulled a knife on me and just cut me and killed me and slashed my throat and grabbed my wallet and pff, nothing what that would have been very easy for them to do and and my fighting was, in many ways, in retrospect, probably an unwise thing to do. So that's exactly what happened. Now, when he asked, this reader says, was it a false sense of security? Yeah, I suppose it was. At that point, I had already traveled to nearly half of African countries. I'd been through Mali and uh, Burkina Faso and uh, to parts of, uh, of Mauritania and all over Western Sahara and I had been mugged already in Ghana and you know I'd been to many tough places and at that point I suppose I was kind of feeling a little bit more confident and about things in Africa so that was one problem and then he says uh did I just not give a fuck that day not really no I I I I think it was just the fact that I was had felt confident I wasn't thinking through the, the the potential danger very well and when I came back to the bus then the bus driver found out and everybody found out that I'd just been mugged. The The bus driver was yelling at me. He says, why didn't you tell me you want to go piss? I would have told you just piss right in front of the bus, you know, like in front of everybody. Who cares? You, you know, never go down that day. And of course, you know, that's a lesson learned from that. So I definitely wasn't looking for a fight. I wasn't looking to put myself in danger. It's not like if, if anyway, that was not the intention at all. Let me continue with his uh, note. He says, but I guess... What I was hoping for were recommendations on should you arrange a tour guide in advance or let him know of your hotel or not? Is the Uber Bolt Taxify safer than normal taxis? And that acquaintance in the USA that you wanted to link up with their husband's brother who will protect you, should you take that offer or not? Where is the best place to hide your valuables in your hotel room, safe or the fridge or under the mattress? These are kind of pre-trip thoughts and critical decisions I bet we all have. Above all is not a criticism of you at all, and his work is certainly valuable and I learned from it. Just think maybe there was an opportunity, maybe in a chapter in your forthcoming book or a future article or heck, let's co-write one, to hit home some of the really relevant stuff. Great job on that podcast. It's a big public service for us travelers. So that was the message. And I presented that whole message to Olaf Ostad, who was doing this whole podcast with me about the kidnapping. By the way, this whole podcast doesn't make sense, of course, if you haven't listened to that podcast to begin with. He says, here's my response, Francis. While I'm happy to observe that the listener found some of my concrete Advice, excellent. I note that he was less happy with some of my general advice. Obviously, many situations demand a concrete, to-the-point answer. 
If he reads my book, he will find a lot of them. I believe I've offered concrete advice wherever that makes sense. There are, however, situations where specific advice is futile or even dangerous. When Bear Grylls states in no uncertain terms that the assault phase is the time to fight, his advice could, in principle, get him into legal responsibility. Why? Someone might follow his advice and fight without a snowball's chance of getting out of getting out of the fight, I suppose. The kidnapping ordeal may imply a range of situations where concrete advice is counterproductive and possibly dangerous. When asked for the single most important advice I can offer anyone who might get kidnapped, my answer is to keep a clear and cool mind. That enhances the chances that you will make intelligent decisions and get out alive. Easier said than done? Obviously. That is why I offered training, and that is why I wrote Surviving Kidnappers. For any difficult situation in life, preparedness can make a huge difference. The listener has raised a couple of specific questions. One of them is, should I arrange a tour guide in advance or let him know about your hotel or not? The answer is that when traveling in dodgy areas, you should have an anchor, someone you trust and keep updated on where you go and where you stay. That someone could be a friend, a member of a family member, or a colleague. Whether a tour guide is reliable enough, you will have to assess. You will find more on this topic in my book. Another question was, is Uber or Bolt or Taxify safer than a normal taxi? I'm sorry to disappoint you, but this varies. In Jakarta, I would take a Silverbird or, second best, a Bluebird. In Delhi, an Uber is much safer than an ordinary taxi. The key question is, which taxi is part of the best structure and control and has a history of safe transport? My book otherwise offers very specific advice on how to use taxis. How should you relate to that acquaintance in the United States that want to link up with their husband's brother who will protect you? This question has no general answer. It is all a matter of trust. If you need protection, make your own inquiries before you decide. And finally, the question was, where is the best place to hide your valuables in a hotel room, safe or fridge, or under the mattress? The safe is generally safer. Only make sure it is properly bolted to the wall. I have seen some that were not. The listener is obviously genuinely interested in the topic, so we should not waste each other's time. Read Surviving Kidnappers and Get Wise. He gives me a smile. So that's it. That's the message from Olaf responding to listener feedback regarding the kidnapping episode. If you haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. I do find it quite useful. And I think the original critic, the person who wrote the audience, also admitted that it was useful. He just wanted, he just disliked when he got general advice, which 
I understand both sides of the issue. I appreciate Olaf for taking the time to respond, and I hope that was useful to you. If you have other questions, whenever you listen to any of my podcasts with any of my guests, I always encourage you to ask questions, and I will try to respond to them here in the podcast. You can send me an email at ft at francistapon.com. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn, but not get kidnapped or piss in a dark alley. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash FTAPON. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.